Welcome to Retail Unplugged, a podcast brought to you by Retail NZ. We'll be talking to thought leaders from across the sector who will share their ideas and visions for our incredible industry. And welcome to Retail Unplugged. I'm Greg Harford and I'm joined uh, today by Riaz Nasrabadi, who is the Head of Data and Risk Products for Visa in New Zealand, Australia and the South Pacific. So Riaz, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here and thank you for having me along. Yeah. Now, we're here today to talk about local consumer attitudes to data sharing. Now, businesses um, over time, over the years, have all come to accumulate vast stacks of data and information Mm. about their customers. And obviously, it's really useful, some of that information, because you can use it to inform uh, your communications with your customers, tailor offers, and and, and so forth. Um, And there's some real valuable marketing benefits that can arise from that. Um, but sometimes that can raise uh, some alarm bells for customers. So um, I know you do a lot of work on, on data use and data sharing. Um, why do you think it's important for businesses to have a better understanding of uh, issues around consumer attitudes on these, issues, on these things? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. I mean, look, I think as most of your listeners would know, we've seen major changes in the retailing experience. And this, this approach that consumers want sort of all of the above approach and they no longer see the differences between online and offline shopping and so on, which means this, this greater focus on delivering customer-centric experiences, including things such as frictionless uh, payments. But what we're seeing is that to deliver some of these new technologies, contact whether they be contactless payments, QR payments, embedded loyalty, as you mentioned, um, scan and go, biometrics and so on, there's one key ingredient that is required across the board, and that is the need for more and more consumer data. So as businesses continue to gather their data, as you mentioned, and to use that towards innovation and delivering new experiences, they really need to be aware of how consumers expect them to handle their data, who else they share it with. And these attitudes are changing. And it's because of a number of sort of market forces that are that are happening, be it some of the advent of some of these open banking frameworks and consumer data rights as we have, but also some of the other challenges that consumers have faced when it comes to potentially their uh, their data being compromised, and also the fact that increasingly uh, retailers and businesses seek more of that data to be able to deliver some of those personalized experiences. Yeah. And obviously, you know, all businesses are holding data, banks are holding data, Visa itself is holding data on on, on customers. Um, But you've recently undertaken a a study around this, as I understand it, and and launched uh, the findings of of what I think is called the Visa uh, Consumer Empowerment Study. So how do New Zealand consumers, do you think, how how are we feeling about this uh, particularly? And how are we different from um, consumers in other markets? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, look, so this was part of a multi-year global study that we undertook uh, uh, across a number of countries, including New Zealand. Uh, we surveyed 2,000 New Zealanders, and what we found was that the majority of them, like 73%, wanted greater control of how their data was used um, by various companies and organizations, including retailers. Uh, what we've seen is this is a global trend. Consumers are concerned about their digital privacy. And they say that they rarely understand how their data has been used, uh, who has access to it. And they're seeking stronger consent over the ability to share that data and control over it as well. 
But one of the things that stood out in the New Zealand um, survey was that we found that there was a more pronounced uh, confidence divide amongst Kiwi respondents. Um, 39% were classified as hesitant when it comes to engaging in the data economy, which compares to 26%, which was uh, the global counterpart. So a, a really big difference when it comes to a, 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 you know, a segment of the population was the quite, quite hesitant about sharing their data. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a big difference. What do you think it means to be hesitant and why do you think that's the case? Well, we developed three personas. We broadly categorized the respondents into three groups. And this was based on responses to some specific questions relating to their understanding of how their data was used, uh, the level of comfort and control over their data, and what data was being collected about them and what was being used for. Um, and consumers who tended to self-identify as lacking understanding, control, and comfort were generally classified as concerned or hesitant. And it's this hesitant group which skews lowest amongst factors of digital engagement. For example, 29% uh, of New Zealand respondents in that category, in the hesitant category, shopped online less than once a month, and that's significantly less than the other groups that we saw. Now, as you said, why this may be the case, what we observe is a correlation with their respective attitudes towards data sharing. For example, none of these Kiwi respondents, so zero within this category, felt like they were in control of their data, uh, they didn't understand how the data was being used, or completely comfortable sharing the data in the first place. The other factor may be education. Um, only 23% of the New Zealand consumers that we surveyed uh, claim to fully understand or mostly understand how the data was being used when conducting digital activities. But the one factor that we do know, and I wanted to emphasize, which I think is quite applicable to retailers across the country, is that the way that companies gather and manage consent and this is consent for data uh, collection and sharing, varies considerably. So the lack of a consistent approach creates uh, uncertainty for the consumer and can, can encourage some of these hesitant behaviours. And we also think it can negatively impact the consumer experience. And yeah. you see this today, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, the way that an organisation asks consumers to agree to terms and conditions or, or to cookie policies varies greatly from website to, to website. And you can then contrast that with the way we pay in store, for example. Uh, when it comes to contactless payments, the process is relatively simple, it's consistent across each of the merchants, and consumers are relatively comfortable with it. And, and this is an issue not impacting just retailers, of course, but it's business and websites across the board because um, that consumer, consumer um, the collection of consumer data obviously applies to, to any business that they're doing, um, that a consumer is interacting with. So part of the, the challenge for retailers is, of course, even if, uh, even if there's variation across the retail sector, there's also much wider variation once you look at insurances and power companies and media companies and if all the other uh, various businesses that we're engaging in. Uh, absolutely, uh, 100% correct. And we see this not just being a, a challenge that is specific to a sector, but actually something that applies to the economy as an economy-wide issue.
Yeah. So uh, we obviously want more of our consumers to feel comfortable participating in the digital ecosystem. And, and that's really important if we're not going to have sort of haves and have-nots and, and people who are connected and disconnected into the future. So where do, we, where do we start to empower consumers, do you think? What's the best thing we can be doing? Yeah, look, it's, it's as you say, it's incredibly important that more and more New Zealanders feel empowered and in control over their data. Um, this is especially the case as we continue to increasingly live more of our lives online. We, we all download digital applications into our smartphones, uh, fitness tracking, grocery shopping, financial services. We tend to have moved all of those activities into the online space. Um, at Visa, what we believe is that to overcome these barriers and increase consumer trust uh, with organizations and the way that they use their data is we need to introduce more consistent, transparent and intuitive permission experiences and consent models. So the way that we ask that organizations ask for that consent to, to save some of the data and to make use of their data needs to be more consistent. So what we've done is uh, we've recently launched the visa consent management specification. This is a set of uh, guidelines and best practices that focus on creating a consistent permission experience for data sharing and also enabling consumers to have greater visibility into what personal data they may be sharing, what's it useful, how long, who else has been shared for, and so on. Um, And this consent specification that we've developed is agnostic to any organization or any sector. So I think this is a good starting point for any organization that wishes to look more deeply into this question of consent. And it may be a basis for that organization to begin putting into place something that's a bit more flexible, um, a bit more transparent when it comes to gathering that consent as well. So, I mean, that sounds like a really useful and valuable resource. Um, how how did you determine those guidelines? What was the work you did in the background to kind of pull together that best practice? Yeah, um, it's a great question. So, what, as I mentioned before, we have undertaken a, a multi-year study on consumer perceptions and attitudes uh, relating to data privacy, data sharing, and consent management. So we took a lot of the findings from that research, and we also consulted with a number of our clients and partners, including many merchants around the world, on some of the operational challenges that we're having with implementing a uniform approach to consent management. So what we did is we we encapsulated all of those learnings and a lot of that feedback uh, into this document. What we did is we worked with those same clients and partners, we sought their feedback, we went through through a consultation process, and we developed them into this set of best practices around how an organization could potentially implement what we call in granular consent. And these guidelines are not set in stone. In fact, these we expect that these uh, spe- this specification or set, of, or set of guidelines will change over time as we gather more and more feedback, and new use cases are developed as well. So, I mean, one of the challenges, I guess, from a business's point of view is if you're giving more control and visibility to the customer, which we absolutely should, um, you do potentially create more friction between the business and the customer as well. Um, do you, do you think that's the case? Um, does it, does it actually make it harder to do business? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, it's, it's a really good point in something that we've heard a number of times. Um, actually, as part of our research, we tested different models 
for informing consumers um, about you know what data was being collected and, and, and what it was going to be useful. And what we found is actually consumers were happy to engage in this sort of granular permission model, um, much more so than the traditional terms and conditions um, and that experience that they had. They found that experience to be a bit opaque, very sort of enshrined in legalistic language. Whereas if you were to distill it down to much more simpler language, but actually break it down into its individual components, it, that didn't necessarily feel as additional friction. So amongst New Zealand consumers, as part of the survey, uh, when we put both of these models side by side, they reported a significant boost in clarity and trust when it comes to data sharing, uh, which actually implies an appetite for more engagement during that experience. Um, in fact, the survey respondents on average were more likely to click, I agree, um, indicate when you had this granular model versus the traditional terms and conditions. And this indicated that actually this intentional friction, if you want to call it, uh, doesn't need to be onerous and doesn't need to be overtly complex. And in fact, it doesn't necessarily translate in less consumers clicking, I agree, and proceeding with the product or service. Okay, no, well, that's that's really good to hear because it seems uh, often, um, you know, we hear concerns from people in business that that actually putting barriers in the way to doing business with the customer is a bad thing. But actually, from what you're saying, there's some real benefits there, and perhaps customers are more likely to be engaged in and feel positive about the experience. So, um, so that's that's good to know. Um, so, Louise, before we wrap up, I mean, you, you've obviously been working in this space for a long time. What, what's the most important message that you want businesses to take away when it comes to consumer data sharing issues? Well, look, it's clear that Kiwi consumers want to understand how the data has been used and, and feel and have a stronger sense of control. I think as an industry, what we can do is um, first offer simple, clear and consistent information when you're gathering consumer data. Uh, number two, um, create transparency around what data is being collected and who is it shared with. And finally, actually provide consumers the ability to have some level of control. They may not choose to exercise it, but clearly the majority of New Zealand consumers want to have the ability to have a certain level of control. And this needs to be across the board, not for specific use cases, but for every use case that you may apply, be it loyalty, be it collection of data for more personal, personalized experiences. Having that ability to control would create a higher level of trust with the organisation. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much, Riaz, for, for sharing your insights with us. And just before we go, um, just to pop you on the spot, maybe, um, we're obviously talking sure. to an audience of retailers. I mean, what's what's your favourite retail experience in New Zealand? Um, look, believe it or not, and it's not necessarily a specific sort of retailer, but I'm still a traditionalist who likes going into the mall and going into the shop. So although I've been in this digital space for a long, long time, I actually enjoy going into the store, trying things, talking to the retailer and doing. So actually my favorite experience at this moment in time is usually on weekends. My I have two teenage daughters. They love going to the mall. It's actually going to the mall with them. We actually find it as a great family time. Uh, we don't go to the same stores. We kind of split up and then get back together. But actually going to the mall, you know, uh, experiencing that, getting some of that retail therapy, I actually really enjoy it. So I would say any uh, bricks and mortar traditional retail experience is something that I still really enjoy. Yeah. 
That's fantastic and, and good to hear. And thank you on behalf of retailers here in New Zealand for taking your family to the wall every year. My, my pleasure. I, as you can appreciate, my daughters love it. Um, but yeah, I tend to enjoy it too. Yeah. Fantastic. Riaz, thank you very much for joining us uh, here today. Um, I hope uh, you've enjoyed the podcast here. Um, and to our audience, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Thank you.